This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on a rainy Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on this October 25th. I'm Rob Hart, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Apple has increased prices for its TV and streaming services. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, we'll look at the latest reports on home prices and consumer confidence. We're joined by Bob Brusca, Chief Economist, Fact and Opinion Economics, based in New York. Bob, when we spoke at 10.20, we talked about the a rapid collapse in uh, housing prices that's been taking place in the last couple of months as the uh, rising mortgage rates are starting to take their toll on the housing market. What's this going to... First off, uh, interesting thing about the data point, This was, was this taken before the rapid rise in mortgage rates? And if that's the case, what's the market going to look like four months from now? Oh, yeah, these, these data on, uh, on the Case-Shiller report and... Um it, 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 this is an index that is the best index on home prices. However, it's from August. So, uh, yeah, so this goes back. We're going to see more damage uh, in, in the more recent months when these data get updated. So um, that's, that's a, certainly a big part of this. Um, it's, uh, it's an ongoing problem, but, you know, houses are still very expensive. You know, I, I would not characterize this as a collapse in house prices, but they are being beaten back to some extent. You know, prices are still up, uh, you know, 13% year over year. That's really not a collapse. They're still rising much faster than inflation, and they've been rising much faster than inflation for quite a period of time. So housing prices have a, have a good period of time, a good, a good distance, I mean, that they can actually fall and still be construed as quite strong. And then will this have any... Uh, uh... Uh, deflationary effects when it comes to prices overall? Well, it's not exactly home prices that get into the, the, the CPI index uh, or the PCE index. So, um, you know, formally speaking, I would say no, no impact on inflation. But you know, there are other measures about the cost of living and home prices that will get into the inflation indices that will be affected by this general phenomenon. Consumer confidence slumping, uh to 102.5 from a revised 107 in the month of September. That's according to data from the conference board. Is that entirely driven by uh, gas prices, which after uh, after dropping for most of the summer had a little bit of a rebound recently? Oh, no, I think it's driven by reality. I mean, gas prices are part of reality. We've got the politicians really wanting to focus on, on gas prices. And, you know, a lot of people do drive and do focus on this because they've they got to drive. they got to fill up the tank for a lot of people. Uh, economists can talk about substituting away from things when prices get high. But, you know, if you've got a 15-mile trip to work, uh, you can't drive only 12 miles and walk the rest of the way. You know, you got to fill the tank up. So um, the demand for gasoline and for energy in the short term is pretty inelastic. And uh, 
So people focus on it. But there are other prices. Food prices are high. Uh, there are a lot of prices that are going up. I think this reflects that. It also reflects some concern about the economy where things clearly have been slowing and people are concerned about the outlook and the pace at which the Fed is raising interest rates. Any reading above 100 signals that consumers are still optimistic about the economy. So despite all of that grumbling, they're still spending and they still see the glasses half full. You know, the conference board index is much stronger than University of Michigan index, which is down near its historic lows. And the reason for that is in the conference board, there's a very, very heavy weight to the job market. And as you know, the unemployment rate is still at 3.5 percent. Uh, Joe Biden has gotten it back down to where Donald Trump had it before the COVID had hit. And so this is a very low unemployment rate. And that that speaks well for the job market. Wages are still going up. The people are worried. They're concerned about what's going to happen. Still in this report, to the extent that it reflects the job market, job market conditions are much better. They're certainly the best part about the economy. And that's the part that this report emphasizes. Bob Bruska, Chief Economist, Fact and Opinion Economics, based in New York. Coming up, Apple subscribers have to dig a little deeper to pay for their streaming services. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Apple has raised monthly and annual subscription prices for its streaming services, Apple TV Plus and Apple Music. Helping us understand the move is Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertere Group based in Chicago. Tim, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Before we move into Apple TV and its place in the streaming universe, it sounds like Apple had a very specific reason for raising the price of Apple Music by $1 a month. Yeah, Rob, I think... Well, at least that's what they're saying, is the rising cost of music rights. Uh, There are ever-rising fees related to uh, mechanical and songwriting uh, fees for uh, playing uh, songs on streaming services, the radio, et cetera. And uh, in today's world, those, those costs only go up. Now, to say that that is the only reason that Apple Music is going up a dollar a month, um, as well as the other services, I, you know, uh, there are a bunch of other factors. I mean, Apple itself, uh, a lot of the suppliers are indicating that uh, smartphone orders are actually down, uh, perhaps looking at the teeth of a recession coming up. Um, you know, this also could be a bit of uh, the company trying to exercise overall pricing power uh, and uh, hunker down as uh, things get a little light when um Uh, consumer revenues are uh, in question. And then meanwhile, uh, Apple TV, which is approaching its second anniversary, uh, is commemorating that event, as it were, by uh, raising prices (laughs) by $2 a month from $4.99 to $6.99 per month, uh, bringing it in line with the competition with Disney Plus and with Netflix. Um, Is that just simply uh, that's what the market demands and that's what they can command with the content they have? Well, um, it's a great question, and uh, and let's uh, all celebrate that birthday together, shall we? Um, <laughs> I mean, you're looking really now at nine major streaming services, right? And, you know, in many respects, Apple TV Plus uh, is probably the most thinly populated in terms of volume of content, but arguably the most concentrated when it comes to quality. Um, I think uh, for you know, $4.99 a month going up $2 to $6.99 uh, and the Apple halo of quality uh, with respect to its brand overall, um, I think gives it, as I mentioned earlier, pricing power to affect some type of 
uh, logical price increase. I, I would question whether the timing makes a whole lot of sense given macroeconomic trends, um, but it does put it, I think, a bit more on par, at least price-wise or price perception-wise, to its competition. I mean, if you look at the base price of a Netflix, right, that's, that's $10 a month with advertising, okay? A Disney Plus with advertising is $8. Apple TV Plus at $7 uh, does not have advertising, at least not yet. And the strong rumors are that Apple TV Plus itself will also dive into the advertising component of life as well. So, uh, you know, I, I guess the reality is quality over quantity and $7 versus $5, um, you know, Apple stands for quality in content. And I think they feel confident enough that a price rise like this is not going to scare off too many people and frankly might um, uh, just solidify them maybe as one of those services to keep versus some of the others, which may be more less so. Apple TV, home to uh, prestige properties like The Morning Show, Ted Lasso, the extremely underrated for all mankind, one of my favorite TV shows uh, on right now, and also the home to Major League Baseball. So they're definitely uh, evolving as they enter their third year. Thanks for joining us. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Retair Group based in Chicago. Coming up next, General Motors reports mixed news concerning its third quarter earnings. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning, the WBBM News. Noon Business Hour continues. Third quarter earnings for General Motors are out. We welcome in John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. John, thanks for joining us today. Let's go through the good and the bad, and starting with the good, and that is it seems like GM has finally navigated the worst of the chip shortage and the, all the su- supply chain issues they were having. That's right. I mean, they posted a pretty good quarter there. <clears throat> Sales were up. Revenue was up. They posted about $3.3 billion in uh, net profits. So all pretty good. You know, it could be even better still, but you're right. They're starting to navigate their way through the chip shortage. And on the uh, bad side of the equation, it sounds like they're really lagging when it comes to uh, electric vehicle sales. Well, yes and no. I mean, uh, look, their sales are way up compared to last year. But as you'll recall, They had to tell people to stop driving their Chevrolet Bolt EVs. They had to stop making them. Well, now they're back at it. And in fact, uh, the sales of that are going pretty good. But I think what you might be referring to there, Rob, is that Mary Barra, the CEO of General Motors, announced today that they're pushing back their sales forecast for EVs by another six months. They thought by the end of next year, uh, between now and the end of next year, They would sell 400,000 EVs. Now she's pushing that back into uh, the middle of 2024 because they cannot get their battery production ramped up fast enough. But she's still holding true to what she says they're going to sell in 2025. So they're slowing down for the moment, but it's still going to be pedal to the metal later on. And meanwhile, uh, Ford, as far as the Detroit 3 is concerned, is uh, really setting the world on fire with the electric F-150 and the Mustang Mach-E. And, of course, uh, everybody's chasing Tesla. So General Motors' argument is like, yes, we're behind, but uh, we're going to catch up quickly. I I think that's going to be true, too. When you look at uh, assembly plants that General Motors is converting to make uh, electric vehicles, and when you look at the battery plants that they're putting in place, If you look at the sales numbers right now, you're right. GM is behind. 
But, you know, give it about another year, year and a half, and they're going to rock it to first place. Not counting Tesla, but they're definitely going to be ahead of Ford. And another one that's doing pretty well is Hyundai. And then uh, very quickly, what is General Motors, you know, North American assembly like compared to the other Detroit automakers and to the uh, foreign automakers like uh, Nissan, Volkswagen, BMW? It's about the same. But one thing that uh, benefited GM in the last quarter and going to benefit it this quarter as well, they had something like 95,000 vehicles in inventory that they could not deliver to customers because they didn't have chips. Well, now they're getting those chips. So not only are they making new vehicles that they've got the chips on, they're able to take those other ones out of inventory and start selling them. So, uh, yeah, by the end of the year, I'm not going to say it's going to be back to normal, but GM is going to look a whole lot better. John McElroy, automotive industry analyst, host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead, some big news in the cruise industry and important advice in regarding holiday travel. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Teachers at City Colleges of Chicago could go on strike next week. WNBA star Brittany Griner loses her appeal to a Russian prison sentence. Travel Tuesday, one major cruise line unveils big plans for the 2024 season. Plus, an air travel expert joins us to explain why this is the right time to book holiday travel. WBBM Business markets are higher. The Dow is up 240. 46 points. The Nasdaq is up 187. The S&P 500 is up 45. Topping our news at the half hour, the union representing faculty at City Colleges of Chicago set a strike date for November 2nd. If there is no agreement on a new contract, here's WBBM's Mike Krauser. The Cook County College Teachers Union has been in negotiations with the administration for about a year. The contract expired in July. Union President Tony Johnston says the 1,300 faculty and staff will strike on Wednesday, November 2nd, should they not reach the finish line on a new contract. Issues include pay, class size, and greater access to remote education. I am always hopeful, uh, but the, the, the reason we called the strike date is because we are not seeing enough movement at the table right now. And so, of course, we, we hope we have a tentative agreement before November 2nd, but our members have indicated that we need to uh, prepare for a strike if necessary. 92% of the faculty and staff voted to authorize a strike earlier this month. A strike would impact about 80,000 students. Mike Krauser, 105.9 WBBM. A lawyer for basketball star Brittany Griner asked a panel of judges in Russia to overturn her prison sentence. That request was denied. Griner has been in custody since February when airport security in Moscow found cannabis oil in her carry-on luggage. She said a doctor prescribed it for her, but a Russian court sentenced her to nine years in prison. Prison. That 
that appeal has now reduced that sentence slightly, and now she'll have to spend eight years in a penal colony if American officials still working to win her release. The Noon Business Hour continues at 12.32, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are higher once again. We're joined by Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Strategist at Ingalls & Snyder in New York. Uh, Tim, thanks for joining us today. The uh, rally continues, and is there any particular company or sector that's uh, driving the rally today compared to other days? Well, Rob, in terms of sectors, it's very broad-based today. I think the only sector that's down is energy. Uh, everything else is up, which is you know, certainly a, a good development. We've had several up days here as investors try to uh, psych out what the Fed is going to do at the upcoming, their upcoming meeting uh, next week. Uh, in terms of you know, companies, uh, you know, we're in reporting season here. Uh, the majority of companies are beating expectations, but expectations were lowered by analysts throughout the quarter. So uh, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, a company that's done particularly well today, Coca-Cola, uh, they beat expectations and they raise their outlook. Uh, they are um, taking uh, uh, price uh, or increasing prices uh, of their um, beverages, uh, and consumers uh, continue to buy them, even at the in higher pr- prices. Doesn't help the Fed's cause because the Fed is trying to fight inflation, uh, but it's certainly good for Coke. Today, the stock's up nicely. I was going to say, uh, investors are certainly uh, having a Coke and a smile, to use a uh, long ago uh, commercial jingle. And um, yeah. Coke, on the other hand, is one of those companies that serves as kind of a, a heat check for the larger economy. It does, and you know, Pepsi also had a, a good quarter recently. You know, they they announced it a couple days ago. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, there, there are certain bellwether stocks like Coke, uh, like 3M, which has a very broad uh, product base uh, and global product base uh, that market uh, watchers like to uh, uh, digest and uh, focus on. Uh, 3M did not have great earnings, which is not uh, unexpected given their global uh, presence. Uh, Coke, uh, given a fairly low price point for its products, uh, very good earnings, and uh, and you know uh, the consumers did not seem to care about higher prices, and uh, and I think that's what's driving a lot of inflation here. Right. We talked about this in our last segment, but uh, General Motors also uh, surprising in the third quarter, and uh, once again, kind of giving some uh, life to that old uh, saying that's what's good. What's good for General Motors is good for America. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, GM and, and really all the automakers are slowly but surely uh, going to convert to electric vehicles or hybrid vehicles, uh, and uh, consumers are eating those up. Uh, you know, other companies that have done well today, good earnings, uh, UPS uh, had, had good earnings. Uh, you know, packages continue to be delivered. Uh, Sherwin-Williams, the paint company, good earnings as well. Uh, it's up very strongly today. Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Strategist at Ingalls & Snyder, based in New York. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next on this Travel Tuesday, a major cruise line announces a big plan for its 2024 season. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday, and with the cruise industry still in a post-pandemic recovery, Royal Caribbean hoping to make a big splash with what will be the maiden voyage of the largest passenger ship ever to sail the seas. 
Here to examine their plans is Hannah Sampson, travel writer with the Washington Post. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, this is the icon, icon of the seas, uh, the maiden voyage from Miami, January of 2024. Uh, it will uh, hold up to 10,000 people, 7,600 passengers plus crew. And am I correct in saying it's already sold out? <laughs> well, a sailing uh, has sold out, but you know it'll it'll go out very frequently. So people who want to uh, book a sailing, you know, should have no problem. They should just expect to pay a pretty penny for the opportunity. It, not too long ago, we were talking about whether the cruise industry would ever recover from COVID-19. And it sounds like between the demand for this particular vessel and just the kind of robust crowds that are showing up at uh, regular old cruise ships, that uh, the pandemic is a thing of the past. You know, I, I would say they are, they are not yet back to their pre-pandemic um, highs. At least Royal Caribbean isn't based on their earnings report from earlier this year, but they're getting there. And um, I'm sure that they're extremely optimistic that by the time this ship comes around in 2024, um, the pandemic will be, you know, definitely in the rearview mirror for everyone. And people who didn't cruise for a couple of years are going to be really eager to get back out there and, you know, get back to this pastime that they really enjoy. Disney has a new ship that's uh, sailing, uh, had its maiden voyage not too long ago, The Wish. There's another one uh, on the way, Cunard, the high-end carnival brand, uh, is introducing a new queen to service. And then uh, Royal Caribbean with uh, this particular monster, 251,000 tons. That's a pretty big and substantial bet that the uh, cruise industry is going to reach its pre-pandemic passenger count. Yeah, absolutely. And and one thing that the cruising public loves is a new ship. Um, people just love to get on and see what the cruise lines have come up with, um, what new experiences they have. And, and and like I said, they're willing to pay for it. So this really does keep excitement up. Um, it lets the cruise lines use more efficient technologies, try out new designs and new fun things to do. So they're always going to keep building new ships. They'll have to keep filling um, the very big ships that they already sail. And, you know, that probably will not be a challenge for them come 2024 and the years ahead. But for now, at least for some of the lines, it's still a little bit of a challenge to get all the ships full, even though people are are paying a lot of money right now. And then very quickly, uh, did the cruise lines use that idle time as an opportunity to kind of cycle out older vessels, either send them to a scrapper or sell them? So they had plenty of room for the, the, the new and the fun and the fancy when crowds did return? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they have definitely been sending some of their older, smaller vessels to the scrapyards. Um, That's kind of what they would do anyway, but they they certainly had plenty of time when everything was stalled to kind of assess their plans, figure out what should go and what they wanted to bring in. And, you know, everybody wants something new. So the old stuff is is really going to sail away forever. Hanna Sampson, travel writer with The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday and still to come, some important advice for planning holiday travel. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. If you're thinking about flying somewhere during the holidays, you might want to get your plans booked now. Joining us to explain why is 
Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University, based in Chicago. Joe, thanks for joining us today. And lest anyone accuse me of being slow on the uptake, I just looked at the calendar. It's October 25th. That means two months from today, it's Christmas Day. And normally, that's kind of inside the sweet spot of when uh, you can get the best airfare if you're going to a particular destination about 60 days out. That's right, and we're right in the middle of uh, sort of the end of good deal season. I think what's happened here is a few weeks ago we thought the fall was going to be slow, the pent-up travel would be playing out, and the airlines would be feeling the effects of recession. Well, that's not happening. (laughs) The Christmas and Thanksgiving seasons are really strong, and uh, uh, Thanksgiving is already pretty tough. On the fair side, in Christmas, you got maybe a week or two before Uh, we think there's going to be some pretty high escalation. And as far as deals are concerned, you might get a deal for prices that are being charged today. You're not going to get a deal compared to fares that were being offered in 2019. No, we got spoiled. You're right. I mean, we had these great sales, $99, Chicago to the West Coast, those kind of uh, fares. And you can find uh, those kind of things if you travel midweek and early uh, uh, December, but they're becoming more and more rare. And I think uh, what we're seeing, uh, the latest numbers show that the fourth quarter, you know, which is now through the end of the year, is proven to be about as busy as the summer. And we've never seen that before. And for the airlines, that's really good news. Not a whole lot of uh, high fare business travel, but those pleasure markets are humming right now. What are some of the destinations uh, from Chicago that have the greatest competition and that you could also probably find the, the best deals on? Well, we're still seeing a lot of value in, in the so-called business markets just because the uh, uh, airlines still have a lot of lift there, and, and, and there's often uh, midweek uh, drops. New York, uh, LaGuardia to Chicago has been a real value. Boston has been good. Of course, the short-haul markets, Detroit, St. Louis, Minneapolis, all look pretty good. Uh, but when you start getting to leisure destinations, it gets real tricky. We're seeing... You know, so $350 one-way fares on peak times to Florida. So uh, it's those leisure markets, I think, where uh, that window is closing for holiday travel. Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chattuck Institute at DePaul University, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.